0: Hey, 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 this is Blended on the Bluff. Welcome to a faith based conversation for blending step families. I'm your host, Jen Rogers. Each week, join me to glean new insights and learn best practices to blending your family so you too can leave an impactful legacy for your blend. Have you ever met someone? and known right away that it was going to be amazing. (laughs) I would love that. I love when you feel this automatic instant connection with someone. And that's exactly what I experienced when I met Megan Bottom. I read her book, Nana's Pearls. And I have to tell you, as I mentioned in part one of this podcast recording, that I just felt myself bobbing my head along in agreement with what the stepmom Tia in this story was experiencing when she received these pearls of wisdom from her maternal grandmother. As a stepmom myself, I have been given pearls of wisdom, which I have rejected. (laughs) How about you? Have you ever been given a pearl of wisdom that you've rejected? Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the great thing. Our God is on changing and he is relentlessly pursuing us to be in relationship with him. And I'll tell you, in this interview that I had with Megan, we talked about so many different ways that God pursues us, so many different tools that he gives us. The most important thing about this podcast, and really the whole purpose of Blended on the Bluff, is this, that we connect with our kids. As step parents, there's an extra hurdle to create connection. Yet we know that all things are possible with God. And therefore, this hurdle of connection with a step kid is indeed possible. Possible. Take a listen in as Megan and I pick up where we left off last week. I'm so excited to have you join us on Blended on the Bluff.
1: It's so funny that you say that the difference between um, feelings, because feelings do lie. And something that I used to tell my kids all the time is. I love you, but I don't like you right now. And that goes back to, you know, like is just a feeling, but love is an emotion. Love is an action. Love, we always hear love is a verb. Love is so much more than just a feeling. So I think it's okay to not like something, to not be happy about something, but you always need to look at the greater the greater emotion behind that. So yes, our feelings do lie. Our feelings really are irrelevant. It doesn't matter if I like my children, I have to love them. And that's something <laughs> I talk about a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And I've was i I've been rereading... Uh, Lewis's mere Christianity. And what I love about that in there is he talks about that relationship of the Trinity and how we quote, God is love. And how does all of that work? It was just a really good reminder that love is a, a relationship with someone. And so you must be in relationship to demonstrate love. And so in the push and pull of relating to our stepkids, I, I think we go into it with, a, again, another one of those unrealistic expectations that we're, quote unquote, supposed to love them. So we do love them. But our feelings get in the way and remind us how uncomfortable we are, and how this is not really a whole lot of fun. And it certainly doesn't feel like love.
1: Yes, that's so true. And, you know, it's just, it's very real that sometimes we don't feel like it. Sometimes our feelings are, are, are stumbling block because we don't feel like loving them. We don't feel like pursuing that, but it's so vital that we do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is where the uh, next area that we're going to talk about in relation to boundaries really comes into play. Um, I have done uh, some extensive reading on boundaries and love the boundaries books by Cloud and Townsend, and uh, boundaries for marriage. And I don't know if they have a boundaries for stepkids or not. I don't think they do, but maybe we should get together with them and write this book with them. <laughs> <laughs> boundaries for step parents, but um, definitely need boundaries to remind us that. Um, We have a responsibility to protect our marriage. We've alluded to that. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well, Uh, but also boundaries for, to keep us inside sometimes. Well, most often I think when we think about a boundary, we think about where you put a fence up to keep people out, but sometimes it's really to keep us in and have some pre-decisions already made so that the emotional aspect of making a decision in the heat of the moment is taken away because you and your husband have already pre-decided that this is the direction that we're going to go. So that's, uh, that's how I think about boundaries first, and I'll open it up to you to share your thoughts on boundaries and how important they are in a marriage and then how it relates to this amazing book that you wrote.
1: Well, thank you. I was actually teaching on boundaries just last night. And one thing that I say all the time, and one of the reasons that you even hit on that boundaries are important is because of decision fatigue. We make millions of decisions in our life. We make millions, even in a single day. And a good example of this, and I don't know if this is a reality in your house, but it is in ours for sure, is when we don't meal plan and we get to the end of the day and we have to decide what is for dinner, that feels like the biggest decision ever, And it's really not. There are no consequences, no matter what we choose, except that we aren't going to make the healthiest choices if we don't already have that decision made. And the drive-through isn't necessarily the best financial choice either. And that decision fatigue at the end of the day is real. And a way to avoid that with your family and with your blended family is to already have those, those decisions, just an instant yes or no, there's already a boundary there. It's already been established into what we are going to agree upon or what we're not going to agree agree upon. We don't have to put the thought into it. And like meal planning And thinking about it ahead of time, whether you do it weekly or monthly and you have a full menu, you already know what's for dinner. You maybe even already did some of the prep work for what's for dinner. You don't have to make that decision after a day of making decisions anymore. And the more boundaries you have in place, the less decisions you have to make. Can I call my mom? I don't know what time is it. Is it in the right time frame for our family for you to call your mom right now? Can we do this? No, you know what? That goes against our house boundaries. You there's no thought process there. There's no, you're not going to make a poor decision because you're making a decision at the last minute.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And and true full confession here just last night, when my husband was staring at me in the kitchen asking me what was for dinner, I could totally relate to that. It's like, hmm, and why is this always my choice here? I don't know about that. (laughs) But I had taken some things out and it definitely does make a difference. But sometimes even just the prep, the, the, the work that is involved, it feels so much weightier than what it actually is. I love that you say that decision fatigue, that recognizing that all day long we are making these minuscule decisions and yet we're using physical, spiritual, and emotional energy to make them.
1: Yeah. And I believe it's, it's, I don't know, it's one of the billionaires. Maybe it's the Apple guy. I don't remember who that was, what his name was. Job. Job. I think it was him that he always wore jeans and a black t-shirt. And the reason why is because it, it eliminated one more decision that he had to make in his day. He didn't have to make the decision of what I'm going to wear today. You know, somebody that's that successful that, that, that has that much, um, that many decisions to make and affects that many people, it's important for him to know I can only make so many decisions a day. And if I know that I'm going to wake up and I'm going to wear jeans and a black t-shirt, I don't have to make that decision anymore. And it's so important to eliminate the amount of decisions that we have to make because then we have a less chance of making poor decisions and poor choices. And that's what boundaries is all about.
0: Mm-hmm. So if you were to make a recommendation, gosh, this, this is going to be a challenge. I would ha- struggle answering this question, but if you were to make a recommendation of maybe the top three boundaries for blended couples to consider, so their step families run well, what top three would you recommend to them?
1: The first one is the boundaries that happen within their home and the access of the people that can come into their home. I don't know why we feel this way, but if we feel that if our kids have access to an area, we should have that access as well. And it's the, it's our obligation to put boundaries around that for the co-parent or the ex-spouse. I think that, That co parents think that my kids are allowed there. It's their bedroom, it's where they live. I can go in there if I want to. But the truth is, that's my home. You are not allowed to come in here without my knowledge and without my permission. And I think that's so important to put that boundary up and to communicate that in a loving way to the kids. Because the kids are going to invite, you know, if they're excited about a new poster that they have in their room, they're going to invite their their parent in to see it. And you may not be aware of that. Or if, if, you know, whatever the circumstances are, the kids need to understand mom or dad is not welcome in our home without our permission. And it's also important to reflect that boundary to the co-parent and say in a respectful manner, you are not allowed to come into our home. And a lot of times, especially stepmoms, find themselves moving into The territory of the previous wife. Husbands have already purchased the house. They, they have got the house and the divorce. And, the, and this is the house that was the family home. This is the house where the ex-wife used to live, where she chose the colors on the wall and she chose the pictures that hung and she chose all of the things. And now she's no longer welcome there. And that's a hard thing for her to receive, but it's vital for you to set that boundary. And for whatever reason, it's harder for stepmoms because they feel like they're walking into the shadow of their, of their spouse's ex-wife.
0: Mhm. And you know I want to make an insert a comment here in relation to that. It's I think typically if you are in a, if you are a step parent you think about step parenting the way that we've been talking about it in this sense that there's a previous marriage and then you're coming together but I also want to acknowledge those families out there who have come together in a remarriage because they have lost a spouse and they deal with the same kinds of issues that you're entering in somebody else's territory, if you will. And that feels uncomfortable. And um, the other things I think that go along with that from the parent entering in that home is that you feel uncomfortable. And sometimes what in, in my work with women, especially this is what I get, that it feels like everything in the house is mocking me. Like, see, I'm still here kind of thing that You're actually not welcome here. And then they also deal with the challenges with the kids who have certain rhythms in that house that are now completely disrupted. And the manifestation of that disruption is the step-parent.
1: Absolutely. And I talked about that a little bit in this chapter in the book on boundaries. And, you know, Taya tried really hard to make the house her own. She definitely insisted on a remodel of the master bedroom and bathroom because it had to be hers and the remodel of the kitchen because it had to be hers. But realistically, financially, sometimes we can't afford that. And for those, like you said, those spouses that are dealing with widows or widowers that are having, they're essentially walking into a shadow of the past here. And there isn't necessarily the trauma and the unforgiveness that a a divorce would, would require to work through with a Um, death of a mother or a father, that is a whole different story. And that is traumatic in its own. And for somebody to walk into that, it's, that is hard work. That is really hard to do. And that's where the boundaries to be able to create your own sanctuary, to be able to create your own home so that you're not the guest, you're not the outsider looking in to be able to create those boundaries is so important.
0: And I I think if we were to make a checklist for step parents, this might be one of them on there. I know in the materials that I use, it definitely is there that you make some of these decisions in advance as far as where are you going to live? Have you even talked about where you're going to live? Have you talked about which rooms are going to belong to which people? those basic kinds of things, we often overlook those because we just think we're just going to move to the next step. And we're just going to keep moving. And a lot of times, it's when you're when you're walking up those steps, um, they're steep. And sometimes you miss a step and you fall down. And it, it just is It's a painful experience when you get caught up in it versus making pre-decisions about it. And I think this is where I know that this is a theme throughout Nana's Pearls as well is effective communication. Honest communication is so important.
1: Yes. And things that people don't think about, like the bed, (laughs) And I don't mean to get, get into too strong of an intimacy level here, but very likely that bed that one or the other spouse is sleeping in was a previous marriage bed. And think about that. You don't think about when, when you're, when you're in love and you're going through the honeymoon phase and you're falling in love with each other and you have these puppy dog eyes and we're just going to love each other forever. And then every time you crawl into bed with your spouse, You're reminded that I'm not the first person here. And that is something, you know, that I talked with couples about also. Let's bring these issues to the forefront. Let's be realistic about how you're going to move to this next step. And it was so important for me to get new bedding, even though the bed that my husband was sleeping in was his new bed and it wasn't a marriage bed in any way. I didn't want to sleep under the same sheets. I didn't want to. And it's no insult to his ex-wife. It's just me trying to create my space, me trying to create my sanctuary with my husband.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's really good. And I, I think uh, there are a lot of uh, stepmoms out there nodding their heads as they're hearing you say those things about the bedroom. And, you know, I do think it is important that we don't shy away from those things, those intimate things, because intimacy is one of the greatest gifts in marriage. And so it's important that we have frank conversations about how how we are feeling, even though we've had conversations earlier in this podcast that feelings do lie. I think there is a time and a place to express them so that you can work through them with your partner. Your partner may not have any trouble with that at all. And and that's okay. But together, the two of you need to decide what is the next best step. And so I, I, I think small decisions like that, that we just don't even think of are so important. It's like you need a checklist. <laughs> to go through and make sure you talk about these things before you physically blend. Right. Right. So I want to go back. So that was the, we started out with the three things in relation to boundaries. So you said home and access of people into uh, the house. So what's the second thing that you would recommend, Megan?
1: The second one is creating strong boundaries around your marriage. Um, This goes so neglected in, in society outside of the church in that Dwayne and I are seen as odd because we know that we will never be alone with somebody from the opposite sex. And that means that sometimes when he's at work and everybody has to drive to a coffee luncheon or whatever, to a meeting, he drives himself because either he carpools with a woman and he's alone with that woman, or he drives himself and he's going to always choose to drive himself. Um, sometimes that means that if we are going to be in an uncomfortable situation with anybody, whether it be a pastor, honestly, or anybody, we're gonna leave the door open because mm-hmm. I won't be seen with somebody from the opposite sex. I don't want that appearance of evil. And I'd never want a position where my husband can come back to me and say, What happened there? Well, let's talk to the 14 other people that were in the office. And not that he wouldn't, but those boundaries that people take for granted all the time are so important to have around your marriage. Um, we strongly encourage, if, if you wouldn't allow your spouse to see it, it shouldn't be posted on social media. It shouldn't be sent through a text. It shouldn't be in an email. So um the electronics is another huge boundary for your marriage. We do have passcodes on our phone, but they're exactly the same. So I can get into his phone at any time. Not that I do or that I have any trust issues, but... I can access whatever he sees. And just knowing that puts a hedge of protection around our marriage because he knows that I'm going to be able to search his internet history or whatever. Not that I ever, ever have, but I have that access should I need it. So those boundaries around your marriage are absolutely vital.
0: hmm so good so so good and I would say too that they will look different for different couples because again we we come to this marriage with different experiences and so I think the idea here is just to have compassion for one another in those areas that may be triggers for us especially if you come from a marriage where things were hidden on social media or relationships occurred on social media so there are lots of trigger points here that can only come out when you sit down and communicate with one another and ask this very important question, how are we going to create a strong boundary around our marriage? So that's really good. Thank you so much for that. Um, And the third thing that you would recommend.
1: And the third thing that I would recommend is, my my husband always says there's some things that I'm worth that are that I'm willing to die for. And he says this in relation to um, church traditions. I and he says, I'm willing to die for Christ. I'm willing to die for the cross, for the things that Christ represents. But if you want to put a Christmas tree in your house, I'm not going to tell you what my beliefs or my structure or whatever is. And that's how he always relates that. And I think that you need to have those decisions made about your parenting what are the things that really you're willing to fall on a sword for that you're not willing to compromise? This is how it is going to be in our home. And again, I'm going to bring that back to the electronics. Are they allowed to have electronics in their bedroom or like us, do they need to plug them in and charge them overnight every night in our kitchen? Those are things that I wasn't willing. Those are boundaries that I wasn't willing to compromise on, but you know, do we pay for gas or do they pay for gas? Those are things that were were not necessarily boundaries. Those were things that we were willing to die for. Those were things that we could compromise on. So I think to have those conversations around the parenting and how your home is going to run is so important. And what boundaries are, are that I always say that we have caution tape boundaries, and then we have picket fins boundaries, and then we have barbed wire boundaries. And I think to know what the barbed wire boundaries are in your parenting style is vital for both of you to communicate with each other before you present that to the children.
0: That's so, so good. So I'm going to reiterate those and restate those that you have three, you talk about three different kinds of boundaries. So you have a caution tape boundary, you have a picket fence boundary, and then you have a barbed wire boundary.
1: Yes. So the caution tape boundaries, you can move caution tape. You can even break through it. You can tie it to a fence post over here and move it to over here. And it's just really flexible. It's kind of more of a, hey, heads up. You're kind of approaching somewhere that could be a little bit sticky and uncomfortable. There's a little bit of friction there that'll stop you. A picket fence boundary still has, it's pretty, it's pretty secure. It's not going to move, but there's still exceptions. You can climb through the slats if you need to, or even maybe even jump over the fence and it's not going to hurt you to do either of those things, but it's, it's pretty secure. And then then the barbed wire boundary, the thing with that one is if you cross it, it's going to hurt. There's some major friction there and it's going to hurt. But the thing is, is that to get on the other side again, to get on the side of trust and establish that boundary again, that's going to hurt also. <laughs> so once you uh-huh. go get to back on the other side is going to be a painful journey also. So the barbed wire boundaries are meant to be permanent and never crossed. And when they are, it hurts. There's some significant consequences. And to build that trust to get on the other side of the boundary again is going to cause even more pain and discomfort for the person that crossed the boundary.
0: Right. That's so good. And I think those those visual reminders are so powerful as well. So thank you for sharing that. I know that we didn't necessarily dive into the boundaries that were written about in the book. And I think that's okay because... I the The topics that we covered here and the key things that we talked about as far as the the top three boundaries to consider, boundaries around your home, boundaries around your marriage, and uh, boundaries about what you're willing to die for. <laughs> I think those are those are three major areas for us to be able to take in and and think about and process those. I'd like to go back and to something that we had spoken about earlier, and it's this that as husband and wife, you have a responsibility to steward your family you only have your kids for a short time. And whether they're your biological children or your stepchildren or your adoptive children, I mean, blended families come in all shapes and sizes. Foster families are blended families. Adoptive families are blended families. So they they look a lot different and the players within those on the team, they are different, yet a lot of the challenges are at play regardless of how you come together. It is definitely not the Brady Bunch. <laughs> for sure. Um so when we do come together, I think being in this marriage and directing the household, there also needs to be a strategy for how you're going to bring in the kids. And what I mean by that is what role do they have? How much say do they have when we're establishing boundaries? And I'll give a little scenario and then I'll let you chime in and, and give us some of your your pearls of wisdom here as well. Uh, but as far as the transition, so my personal situation is every other week. So the kids are 50-50 custody. And in that first day, we transition in the afternoon. And that first day, we, the, we go through our schedules and we have... I don't know, maybe a 30-minute conversation about what's been going on in the last week. Is there anything that's coming through that we need to be aware of this week? So of the four kids we have, we have one left in the home. And so he's a sophomore right now in high school. And so it's just the three of us and having that conversation about what do you have going on this week? What kind of team events do you have, school events, uh, youth group events? all of that. And then we also let him know of any irregularities in our schedule as far as what's going on with us. So recording a podcast, I would let him know, Hey, this is a window of time that I'm going to be working. And so I'm going to ask you to keep a level of quiet uh, that you don't have to keep otherwise, for example. So how do you allow the kids regardless of their ages to help contribute to establishing the boundaries so that you can have a conversation like that, that says, okay, now that we know what the family norms are, this is how we roll when we get together. Because those first couple of transition days, especially can be really tricky for families.
1: I'm glad that you point that out because I always say nobody likes change except for a baby. And it's really hard because there's so much change. Change is a good opportunity for friction. and. I would, I would encourage new step parents to put themselves in the role of their children. So imagine having to move your home every week, move where you sleep, move where you eat, move just physically where you, where you go after school, move all of that. And then you also, the rules change. There's new rules, there's different rules, there's new expectations, there's different expectations. That is hard. And there's so much opportunity there for friction for those kids that it is overwhelming. And that's why oftentimes transition days are the hardest. I often will post on social media, if I remember on Sundays, don't forget to pray for blended families because usually transition days are Sundays. For us, we had a routine where um we never had to transition from our home. So our kids would go to school on Monday morning and then be picked up from us on, on Monday afternoon after school. So they would leave the the non-custodial parents home on Monday morning, go to school, and then we would pick them up after school on Monday and then our, our custody time would start. So it was never exchanged in our house, which was horrific for those kids. So they had to bring their clothes from the weekend, everything that they thought that they needed for at our house, from mom's house, all of those things. But the judge thought that that would eliminate some conflict from us with the co-parent, which was ridiculous. And once they were able to drive, they always came to our house on Monday morning and dumped everything out and then went to school. So it, it really was a little bit friction there. I love your guys' idea of doing, I would call it a business meeting every day during the transition. I mean, every week when you have that transition of doing a business meeting, this is our schedule. This is what's going on. This is what's next. Um, We noticed, especially once our oldest started working, that was even more overwhelming because we had gotten used to her being an extra vehicle to transport the rest of the kids. And now she has a work schedule that she has to follow and and having that communication and also those boundaries. I encourage you to use the the caution tape and the barbed wire and the picket fence boundary as vocabulary when you guys are communicating. You know, this isn't really a caution tape boundary, so there can be exceptions here. What are your thoughts on this? You know, and no, I'm sorry, but this one's a barbed wire boundary because it's important for your protection. We always have said, and I can't take credit for it. Andy Andrews is a huge mentor of mine, and I follow everything that he does. I absolutely adore Andy Andrews. And one thing that he says so often is our goal is not to raise good kids. Our goal is to raise good adults. Our goal is to raise contributing adults to this society. Our goal is to raise disciples that will preach the name of Jesus, our goal is not to have good kids. So if we're expecting them to be good in our house, that's trying to put an expectation around them that honestly we can't even maintain because we need to be able to come home and scream and get caught up in our feelings and have a sanctuary. So if your kid is being Difficult during a time of transition, you need to show them grace. You need to say, I know this is hard. I know that you are experiencing this transition. How can we help you in this time? And then go into the business meeting of what do you have this week? What's going on in your world? What's happening? for you and give them that respect that they get to put in their say as well. It's not just a matter of they're just along for the ride for the week that they're with us and they just march and step with our schedules, but it's a matter of now our schedules change around them as well, around the, them as well. One thing that we did in our blended family was they understood that we had a date night every week. Thursday nights were our date week, date night. And they were, that was a barbed wire boundary. We didn't, we didn't make exceptions for that very often. And they understood that. You know, if there was a volleyball game or a football game or a practice or whatever that we were going to miss because we were taking our date night, we didn't feel guilty about that because we were there the majority of the time. We did show up when we were available, but Thursday nights were sacred to us. And our kids knew that. Another barbed wire boundary was youth group. You guys will be going to youth group. I really don't like the parents that use that as a punishment that are like, well, if you don't get your homework done, you're not going to youth group (laughs) because that's not how we want adults in society to treat church. That's not how we want adults in society to treat their obligations to their church family. If you don't get your job done, you don't miss church on Sunday morning. You still go to church. So those are all things to keep in mind when you're setting the boundaries for your kids and communicating it to them.
0: Those are such great things that you mention and I and I I love the 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 sacredness of when you you've used that word several times now in our in our conversation at at the most appropriate moments and i i think it teaches the kids that hey, this marriage is important and we are investing this time. And I think it goes also to what we were talking about earlier, as far as emotions, that this is not an emotional decision. You're not going to throw a tantrum because we're going to go on a date night, for example. Uh, You know that you will need to rearrange your schedule so that you can meet this priority. And I, I think that that demonstrates what we value, what what is most important for our family to to do to choose so that we can as parents raise good adults so that we can raise disciples I love that you said that it's so wonderful to think about it from that standpoint that we again we just are parents in this way for a short amount of time and for those if you're a parent out there struggling in your blend right now I, I just want to encourage you if you can just, Take a deep breath and let it go and focus on what's going right. Because I know that there is amazingness in you as a step parent. I also know that many of these issues are weighty. I know many of you are dealing with the different rules in different homes, I know some of you are dealing with parent alienation. I know that others of you, you're just, you just want out, like you've had enough of this because nobody understands. And yet I just, I I want, I want you to hear this from both Megan and I, that we understand the pain that's involved in blending. We understand that it takes a significant amount of work and commitment, but the work is good work. And if you believe in Jesus, you know that he has already prepared this work for you to do, that you being in a blended family, uh, God didn't wake up and say, oh, I'm surprised they got blended. (laughs) No, he knew. He knew you were going to struggle. He knew you were going to question things. He knew you would want to exercise it away, drink it away, sleep it away, run away. He knew all of those things and yet he's calling you to this right now, this point in time in your life, to be the parent that he is asking you to be right now. And so if your kid is 12, in 10 years from now, that kid's gonna be 22. So it's not gonna be this 12-year-old state that you're in with your stepchild right now that you may be struggling with. This is a momentary time. And if you think about the real truth, the hard truth for step-parents to accept is that when you blend, the ugliness in your heart is revealed in ways that you have never experienced before. And recognizing that it is part of a painful and yet very necessary journey. So I just want to give you hope. It's going to be okay. It may not be okay right now. It may not be okay next week or next month, or maybe even not okay next year, but surely there will be moments where it will be really, really good. Megan and I encourage you to grab onto this key of grace of forgiveness and to put the key into the lock and unlock the cage, the prison cell, and allow yourself To be curious versus being judgmental in your relationship with your kids, all of them, biological and step. Give yourself permission to actually enjoy them. I'll tell you, if they leave their clothes on the floor for the fifth day in a row, the world is not gonna end. Yeah, you're not gonna like it. And yes, it may violate one of those caution tape boundaries. But at the end of the day, does that kid know that you love them? I say this to you as a stepmom who has failed, who has wounded her stepkids and has learned and accepted that the mistakes that I've made, I I don't want to repeat them. And Megan and I are here because we want you to make a decision that invests in your family, reach out to people who can help you nurture your blend Reach out to people that can help you establish boundaries. Reach out to people who can mentor you. And if you are a pastor of a church and you do not understand that about 40% of the families in your pews are blended, then there's a lot of work to be done here. So I want to encourage you as a pastor to seek opportunities to integrate blended family ministries into your churches, because if these marriages fail, you've, you've got more split in the church. And we know that there is way too much division in the church and God calls us to unity. So we have this amazing opportunity to demonstrate how we can minister to blended families, how we can have an impact on our community, how we can prevent re-divorce, how we can help people leave a legacy for their step families, Megan, I'll let, I'll let you jump in here before we sign off today.
1: Just really quickly. I strongly believe that the way of the nation is the way of the church. The way of the church is the way of the family and the way of the family is the way of the marriage. And right now this nation's marriages are failing and it's time for the church to start supporting the marriages. Um, by statistically, our kids that have experienced divorce will, do, they have a 70% chance of divorce themselves. That is the definition of a generational curse. And it's time for us as believers, for us as experienced people that can be there for these families to rise up, to rise up and tell them, I hear you. I hear your hurt. I see you. I see your frustrations. What can we do to help you? What can we do to end generational curses so that the family in America, the the face of the family in America can change to a healthy, successful marriage? Our kids, by nature of divorce, have seen devastation. They have seen exactly how a marriage is not intended to be. Our kids have seen that. It's time for us to be the example. It's time for us to raise up and be that example. Duane and I want to be the people that we needed 10 years ago in order to have a successful blended family. We want to be the people that will have the hope for you, that will get you to that other side. I am on the other side of it now. We are empty nesters. My youngest is 14. She's still in high school. She's still in that phase. She lives full-time with her dad. We see her as often as we can. But other than that, all of our kids are out of the house. And I'm here to tell you, we have some pretty cool adults. <laughs> We've done that. We've done the work to raise the kids. We're going to be grandparents. And that is such a fun season. So if you can just hold on, hold on for that season, hold on so that you can enjoy the adult children that you were able to teach them these boundaries, teach them what marriage looks like, teach them what love is. It is amazing. And the rewards are so worth it.
0: Oh gosh. I, yeah, absolutely. That's so wonderful listen, before we sign off, uh, Megan, I'd like for you to share uh, where people can get a copy of your book. You're in pre-order now getting ready for it to release on the 12th. And so by the time this podcast is out there, I'm sure they'll be able to find it on Amazon. But if you have any uh, uh, additional things that you want to drop in relation to where people can get your book or reach out to you, please go ahead and share it with our audience now.
1: Absolutely. Um, the book can be found on Amazon. I have just heard word that Barnes and Noble put a pretty big bar- bulk order in as well, so they'll be on. It'll be on Barnes and Noble. If you order before the twelfth, you'll be one of the first to receive it. If you just Google "Nana's Pearls" by Megan Bottom on Amazon, you'll be able to find it all hard copy, paperback, and. Um, Kindle, if that's how you read your book. So we're on Amazon. I'm pretty sure that we'll be in Barnes and Noble and Target as well in the next couple of months. So that's how you can find it there. Um, and then the best way to find me, actually, I am falling in love with Instagram and we're broken to underscore blessed. And that's really the best way to get in touch with me, um, and see the teachings. We, we post our YouTube videos there weekly and we give you opportunities. We just got finished doing an intimacy challenge, which was a lot of fun. And all of those people came from Instagram. So that's really how you can find us the best.
0: That's wonderful, and if you're driving in the car right now, it's all right. All of this I'll put in the show notes, so you can look this up uh, when you get to a stopping point. So you can go ahead and order the book and uh, seek out more information about the genius behind uh, Megan's work and her experience in ministering to step families. So thank you so much, Megan, for visiting with us today. I know we have three areas left to go, so uh, we we will be back for more together. <laughs>
1: awesome. Thank
0: you for having me. Yes, absolutely. My pleasure. All right, everybody. This is Jen Rogers, stepmama advocate and stepfamily coach. And that'll do it for Blended on the Bluff today. Y'all take care. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening today. I love doing this podcast and I love connecting with people. I'd love to connect with you email me at hello at stepfamilypodcast.com. And if you're an adult step kid, I am so curious about your pearls of wisdom. Would you consider sharing them with our audience? Email me hello at stepfamilypodcast.com.